welcome to Way Too Twog's Bagpipe and History Podcast, where I, your host Jeremy, explores the possible repertoire of 18th and early 19th century bagpipers. Come and let's enjoy some tunes. Sort of, regardless of how much I have been frantically recording Caberfay settings for the last two weeks, um, the only thing that makes sense to release as an episode today is a new bagpipe episode. So, got my new Swain pipes, I had that little bonus episode, or um, emergency one, um, and if you follow me on social media, you've seen them a bunch, but I recorded some new takes for it, and I've also been playing through um, some different books filled with tunes that fit it really well, so... We're gonna we're gonna look at those. We're gonna look at these new bagpipes I've got and kind of talk a bit along the way, of course, as well. Um, but I think to start us off, um, if you saw my posting the last couple of weeks, you maybe have already seen this clip. But uh, it's just fascinating. I took these pipes out of the box from John Swain. Uh, the G chanter was put in in place, which is what he calls border pipes, and the G chanter. Um, so it's got a second back thumb hole and the fingering is a little bit different than what we're familiar with as Highland Pipers. Um, and it sounds really cool. I really like the sound of it. Um, anyway, so here is the first time I put air into these pipes. They were in tune and sounded like this. And this was me figuring out how to play them. Uh, and the first kind of tune or the last tune I played rather in this first little nine minute section of me playing I'm just going to play you the last clip which is me kind of stumbling on to Jack Latin from William Dixon so here that is on uh, John Swain uh, Border Pipes with a G Chanter That's the first time I've quit playing them, literally, putting air through until now. That's it. These things are so plug and play. Oh. So yeah, I was pretty excited about how well they worked immediately. Um, so after that, I plugged in the A chanter, 
And uh, this A chanter is what John Swain calls a lowland chanter, which a lot of us would call real pipes or border pipes. Um, but that's how John kind of differentiates things. Of course, border pipes or lowland pipes are both perfectly acceptable names for you know, the instrument that we think of as being played in the lowlands of Scotland and along the Scottish borders. But because everyone has their own take on naming conventions of these things, and you can listen to my kind of introductory episode where I talk about this a little bit, but I kind of default to what the makers say, unless I find something real frustrating with it. Um, but John Swain's an amazing pipe maker, been doing it a long time, and he calls this instrument, if it's in not if it's in G, but if it's got that more European style kind of continental chanter with the double thumb hole, uh, which I was just playing for Jack Latin, he calls that a border pipe. Um, so I'm going to call it a border pipe. So now switching over to the A chanter, which is his lowland pipe design, which is more recognizable and sounding kind of more like a, a Scottish border pipe to us. Um, and it's pitched in A. I wanted an A chanter so I could play along with Ellen Pipe. So anyway, here is the, f again, this is the first time I quit playing them once I switched over to the A chanter. Um, the way that the drones accommodate this is uh, John included these little corked tone holes on the sides of the drone. So when I'm in G, I need the drone to be longer so it can pitch to G. And when I go to A, there's these two corks, I pop them out, and then they should be roughly around A. Um, as the pipes have settled a bit, those notes aren't perfectly positioned anymore, like my, my reeds have moved around a bit, um, like the chanters have moved around a little bit, but the but on first day, I pulled those corks out, and I didn't move a thing, and this is what they sounded like. So anyway, here is me playing through um, Cave of Enchantment and Meal in the Land of Far Away, um, which again, this is kind of shows the range of it too. This, this set goes all the way up to high C, and these pipes did it pretty well. Again, first time I've played the A-Chanter, I popped the corks out, they were in tune in G, and they're perfectly in tune, well, maybe not perfectly in tune, but they're in tune in A, close enough to my ear. These are awesome. And yeah, high B, high C, first crack out, no problem. Haven't tried the D yet. 
Yeah, they've they've just been super fun to play around with. So uh, anyway, so this episode is called uh, New Pipes, New Books, New Albums, um, or New Album, rather. So it's sort of weird. I've, I've been working on a lot of big podcast episodes that just keep not being finished. Um, like I was saying at the beginning there, I recorded 10 new settings for Cabrafay today alone, thinking that was going to be the episode, and then realized that I should do this. And it's also... Uh, kind of long overdue to play through some um, tune books. And, you know, going forward, I do think the podcast is going to switch where I'm going to host less often. I'm planning to switch to monthly episodes with me hosting. Um, maybe I'll release some of the bonus episodes to fill some gaps. Um, but, um, but yeah, I, th- I do think I have a couple of people lined up that are interested in doing guest episodes. Uh, one of the people I'm hoping to recruit to do episodes is actually, in large part, who I have to thank for this episode, uh, and that is Archie. So if you spend any time on YouTube, uh, your algori- algorithm may have directed you towards um, Archie's YouTube page, which is Irish Wedding Bagpipes Bagpiper Hire Ireland. Um his username aside, which he's clearly looking to get gigs, right? Um, doing wedding gigs in Ireland. But he has got these amazing videos that are him talking. He calls them ramblings of an Irish piper, but like he's talking about some really interesting bagpiping history in there. Um, and I just feel bad because I, I don't have the uh, I don't have the fancy YouTube subscription where you can just listen to the audio and not have the video running. So I very rarely get to listen to them as much as I want to because I don't have that type of a YouTube relationship yet. So I don't know. I might see if I can't bug Archie about kind of picking some of his favorites to release on our feed here. Uh, but anyway, last year sometime, Archie reached out and very generously sent me um, three of Pete Stewart's books. And so that's what we're going to start with, is playing through the first of Pete Stewart's books. That first one is uh, Robin with the Bagpipe, which is kind of a look at the English bagpipe and its music. So it seemed like a, a good place to start for trying to get comfortable with these John Swain pipes, which are kind of more for that English piping style. Uh, so this is the second tune. Uh, we'll start us off here. It's the second tune, Robin and his bagpipe. Uh, Le Mousse à Grosse Bordon. I also don't speak French. Little thing about me, so I'm not quite sure if that's how you're supposed to pronounce that. Uh, anyway, so this is bagpipe tune that uh, Pete thinks was... Uh, kind of the book kind of shows how this is likely a popular tune from around 1300 to 1400. It's in that section of the book anyway. So here is the Muse Gros Badon. And next we're going to play Hunts Up. Uh, this is kind of in the 1500 to 1600 part of the book. Um, Pete just mentions that this tune is kind of listed in the, the repertoire of town pipers along the border uh, around that time period. So anyway, here is Hunts Up again on that G chanter.
here is the next tune in the book, The Buffins. these a week and a half ago. I kind of forgot how much I did them all just in a straight run. Uh, but anyway, this is, uh, I believe it is Bronzel d'Escossé uh, 1. So again, apologies for pronunciation. So yeah, it's uh, it's one of the challenges with this chanter. Like it's new, it's a different fingering. Um, it's not the same as Ellen Pipes. The the one thing playing Ellen Pipes with a key sort of helped to be able to hit the note that we would think of as a C natural for Highland pipers. It's not a C natural, um, but it's that kind of funky sounding third note in the scale. Um, really like it. It's got a good sound, but uh, it takes a while to get comfortable with hitting it and. Uh, so we'll, we'll talk about that a little later in the episode, but, um, let's go next. So those were all tunes from the 1500 to 1600 range. Uh, let's go next to kind of jumping forward to 1700, I think. Uh, and this one, the funny thing is I knew I had recorded some, and so I wanted to record some that I hadn't touched yet today. So this is from today. I've taken a couple of days off of playing the border pipes in order to finish up, um, the album. Hey, I finished up 
my album, so that's coming out too. I'll, I'll play a, a sample track later. That's why it's called New Album. Um, but anyway, let's do um, Saltfish. What is it called? Saltfish and Dumplings. This one was sort of hard for me to pick up, but uh, this is Saltfish and Dumplings, tune 47 from the 1700 to 1800, or 1700 to 1750 range. Saltfish and Dumplings. the final one I'm going to play from this book uh, is going to be Softly Robin. Uh, I'm not I'm not reading this book. I've talked with I've talked with Pete about it and um, you know Archie sent me three of Pete's books. Um, My Unkind, Deary, basically Pete's collection of books kind of outlining the repertoire of Border Pipers um, kind of in an early period uh, and then kind of the more contemporary stuff that we're more familiar with. And they're great books. Um, Day at Dawes and My Unkind Deary, I think is what they're called. Um, and I'm not playing from those today because I'm hoping to do some episodes that are kind of audiobook formats of either myself or Pete uh, reading through some of the literature and then me playing some of the tunes. Uh, I've got a couple of those planned. Um, hoping to, to do one with some of the Keith Sanger stuff. Um, and going to do a Barry Shears one too. And, um, yeah, if there's anybody you think I should, any other sources that are kind of cool, these, um, people that are collecting tunes for us to read, uh, that'd be cool for me to read. Let me, let me know. What are your suggestions? What should I read on the podcast? Um, I am anticipating that it will be easier to find time to read when there is a baby around than play bagpipes. And, uh, and I've just really come to enjoy this community of all of y'all messaging me and kind of getting to share bagpipe music history together. And uh, I don't want that to stop. So um, so hopefully it won't. Uh, going monthly is going to make that a lot more possible for me. And then also these guest hosts I'm really excited about. Um, yeah, John Charles has already been on the show, but his, his project is coming along nice, and I am super pumped to hear it. Uh, anyway, let us finish out this collection uh, from Pete. For now, anyway, I think I might revisit it. This book is full of some good tunes. Uh, this is, uh, what did I say, Softly Robin? I think I said Softly Robin.
All right, well, thanks again, Archie, and thanks, Pete, for all those great tunes and Robin with the bagpipe. Uh, keeping on the G Chanter joys, you know, one of the reasons, you know, I was able to get the G Chanter, thanks to people helping out and buying uh, Pay the Pipe Maker, uh, that really helped to offset the cost of getting an additional chanter, and I'm glad I got one. Uh, but I wanted a G Chanter to be more flexible with playing with Hurdy Gurdies. Um, and also, because I, I do hope to do that at some point, and the, the large list of instruments that I want to get, uh, hurdy-gurdies are there, um, and it seems like G-chanters maybe make that a little bit more possible, although my buddy uh, Dan has some hurdy-gurdies, and I've been able to play along with him on a stuff when I'm just like playing along with his recordings. Um, so I don't know. I'm not sure that I needed <laughs> needed it, but it was it was a good excuse anyway. Um, one of the reasons I also did that was uh, because Ian Gelston plays a G chanter, and uh, I really like the sound of his pipes. So, uh, and I, I wanted to embrace that. So along those same lines, kind of talking about the challenges with this instrument for me as a person whose first instrument and first reading music was Highland bagpipes. Um, everything that I just played from Robin with the bagpipe. Uh, I'm not quite sure how to express musically what they are, other than all the sheet music for it is written not as if it was for Highland Pipes, but as if it was for Illin Pipes. So, um, like, everything starts down on D, uh, which is fine. Like, my brain reads music there easily, <laughs> where, where tunes start around D, kind of below the stave, uh, and then, or if they start around A for Highland Pipes, but anywhere else, and I get a little bit confused. And if you're playing music that is specifically written for G border pipes or G English pipes, that means that everything is just barely wrong. Like it's just one note off from Highland pipes, which it turns out is, is just enough different to be, it's just, it's the perfect storm of too similar and too different to be easy. So, um, so I've been, I've been working on it, but not a ton. <laughs> and that means that I only actually have two tunes from Ian Gelston's second collection of tunes, the New Shields Garland volume two. Um, I, I know I have to do it a lot more for it just to click, but it has not clicked yet, so I have to kind of painstakingly go through all these tunes. So anyway, um, this is from The New Shields Garland, Volume 2, Ian Gelston's tune books, um, and this one, and the first one we'll play is The Seagull's March. <laughs> sort of lucky that Ian has these tune books. Uh, something about his approach to writing tunes where every time I figure out one of his tunes, 
it's it, it feels comfortable like it feels familiar but new so it's like it, it always feels like you're hearing like one of your musicians like somebody that has perfected a form that you really like and they've done a new thing with it uh, i don't know if that makes sense but it, it has made um the transition to like g sheet reading not completely impossible and that Ian's flow of music really makes sense to me as somebody that has spent a lot of time looking at 18th century music. Um, it's just great. It's good stuff. Uh, anyway, so this, this next one is Rene O'Brien's, another one from his second book. Just, just great stuff. Um, so the challenges with these, um, the G, the G chanter is the finger. The fingering isn't that much different. Um, the main difference is, is kind of the second to highest note in the scale and the highest note in the scale are fingered pretty differently. So for Highland Pipers, it's G and A. Um, but since this is a G chanter, I guess it's F and G. Um, and that takes a little bit of getting used to, but the, really the challenging thing for me is that chanter sounds so lovely to play those kind of funky um, third and sixth. Is that what it is? The C natural and F natural? I don't know. I, I got to take a music theory class. Um, but to play the equivalent of like the C natural and F natural on Highland Pipes is what we call them anyway. Um, it's tricky. <laughs> I'm used to being able to do that cross fingering where you just, you know, um, put your index finger and your ring finger down on your right hand, and then you get that C natural sound. And when you've got that back thumb hole, you've got to be fingering a B and lifting up the, the back thumb. And that takes some getting used to fingering the, the funky sounding F note, or I guess it's an E technically, <laughs> um, getting that note to sound right. You can't do the same thing where, you know, on Highland Pipes or Border Pipes, um, or Lowland Pipes, rather, you can get away with just doing the F and the, the E finger being down, or the, uh, yeah, so you just got the, the middle finger up, right, on the top hand, and that doesn't that doesn't quite cut it. There's some stuff you got to do differently, so it means it's tricky to do that stuff at speed, and I have found um, that means that I keep on kind of playing through those tunes that use those notes to try to get them going um and so andre has really been a tune that keeps showing up so uh here i'll just play andre uh or saint patrick's andre or whatever um that breton tune but it sounds great on these pipes and it you have to use that that second thumb hole
I think, um, you know, that would be my advice. And I, I believe that, um, I believe that the, it's the same fingering technique for if you've got a quiet piper set of pipes, a Robert Felsberg channer with that second thumb hole on the bottom, I think is Nate Benton doing the, the second thumb hole. I, I know many pipe makers are making kind of doing that second thumb hole st fairly standard now. Um, and I think it's fingered the same way where you, you finger the B, but you have that back thumb hole open and that gives you that C natural sound. Um, but anyway, Andre, I think is a tune that a lot of us have in our heads. So if you do this thing that I did of making the switch over and getting the G chanter, um, or, uh, that second thumb hole, that might be a good tune to play. Another one I've been playing a lot. I've already played on the A chanter, but here it is on the G. This is that, uh, Cave of Enchantment and Meal in the Land of Far Away set. This is actually going to be on the album, um, the album that's coming up, Bannock's a Barley Meal, but not, I'm going to use the Highland Pipe setting for it rather than playing it on these new pipes. Anyway, here is Cave of Enchantment and Meal in the Land of Far Away. been kind of interesting looking through the audacity recordings i made on day one of having these pipes and um i made a bonus episode too if you're on the patreon there's just like i, I don't know if it came out the day i got the pipes or the next day i was really eager to just listen to them more because i was still on the process of writing a chapter and i i wanted to be i was playing more than a little bit too much <laughs> um i finally kind of hit the threshold you know my very supportive patient uh incredibly just i'm so blessed to have uh to, to have the partner i do whose superpower has been ignoring bagpipes but being this pregnant we finally hit the stage where she said you know maybe maybe it'd be good if you didn't play bagpipes so much um which fair enough because as soon as i got these pipes i was playing kind of non-stop so my solution um from like, I need to be writing, but I also want to be listening to bagpipes, was I just recorded a bunch and then released it as a bonus episode on the Patreon feed. So um, 
so yeah, there's there's lots of recordings out there. Anyway, that first day, one of the things I recorded was Lament of a Druid, which is going to be on Bannocks of Barley Meal and Illin Pipes. But I was just sort of struck by Lament of a Druid goes a little bit higher than this G chanter can reach. Um, the G chanter goes up high, though. Like, it reaches all the way up to uh, high C, which in Highland bagpipe terms, that's high D equivalent, right? Um, in Illin Piping terms, that's uh, D, E... <laughs> Man, I'm bad at this. F, G, high G, that's a G. Yeah, yeah, yeah. high G. Uh huh. Yep, yeah, I'm good at music. Anyway, um, so uh, it's the chanter goes up really high, but lament of a druid goes up higher. So I had to do a little bit of fudging. But one thing with the lament of a druid, when I recorded it, I was still struggling with what version of it to include on the album because. You know, I play it in this really funky minor mode, but it's clearly written kind of being in more major scale. And the cool thing is if you play it straight, like in that major scale, it kind of sounds like um, Uncle Iroh's song, Leaves on the Grass or something like that, um, from Avatar and the Last Airbender. But anyway, so here is uh, the G Chanter, me playing Lament of a Druid. Again, this is this is back on day one of having these pipes. was leaves on the vine leaves from the vine uh, uncle Iroh sings it to his son anyway let's just listen to it quick see if you can hear it mm-hmm. 
happy birthday, my son. If only I could have helped you. Leaves from the vine Falling so slow Like fragile tiny shells Drifting in the foam Little soldier boy Come marching home Brave soldier boy Comes marching home Yeah, I guess I can hear it if you play it in the major mode there. Uh, anyway, um, yeah. So the G chanter, that that you know the John Swain border chanter, the kind of more continental style English bagpipe is challenging but rewarding. Like holy cow, does it have a good, nice tone? Um, as much as um, as much as the fingering is hard to get comfortable with or used to it can get up to that second octave really easily. Uh, I can get to the high C on the low enchanter, but only sometimes. And kind of like, it, it feels like if I just try to hit the C, I can't really do it. If I doing B to C, I can do it sometimes, but only if I'm actually like playing a tune. It's like, if I'm just trying to explore when I try to play a scale, I can't do it. But if I'm playing a tune that needs a high C, it can do it. So I don't know. Uh, anyway, I want to do some more kind of comparisons between the G and the A chanter. You know, I was struck the review of the um, Lowland and Border Pipe Society competition. I can't remember who wrote it. Sorry about <laughs> the scatteredness of this here. But um, but they mentioned how like Gelston's G chanter sounded so sweet. And it really does. It kind of sounds sweet. And, you know... I wasn't a huge fan of border pipes, like of lowland pipes, that high A or the, the A pipe sound. Uh, I had to have a set. Like if John Charles hadn't sent me a set, I wouldn't like them. I think I mentioned that on the interview with Jamie. Um, and I had to like be around them and play them a bunch to just completely fall in love with it. But the G chanter is less of a stretch for me. Um, so I'm going to do some kind of direct comparisons here. So, uh, I think the way to do that is, uh, I also kind of want to compare it between, you know, the Banton pipes that I was borrowing as well. So here is Edward, the minuet from William Dixon or Edward, the second minuet from William Dixon. I'm going to play it first on the G chanter, then we'll do it on a, and then we'll do it on the Banton pipes because I put that on pay the pipe maker. So I have a recording of it. So anyway, here is, uh, William Dixon tune, uh, Edward, the second minuet. NG. the same tune except on lowland pipe so this is in an a chanter 
And finally, here is Edward II on Nate Batten, uh, Border Pipes in A. Yeah, I don't know. To some extent, that's not a fair comparison because I have a new recorder now. Um, I have a new microphone. Um, But I don't know. In my head, they weren't all that different. And um, what I will say is that Nate's chanter, it just works. Like, my hand knows where the holes are and goes there. Um, I'm still suffering from kind of finger placement a little bit on the Swain Pipes. Um, which I, I'm sure I'll get better at. Um, I think Nate's pipes are a little less likely to just um, drop out at the slightest pressure change, uh, whereas John's pipes, they are, they're really light pressure, but they also kind of shut off pretty quickly if you dip under pressure, which is fine. It just means you got to regulate your pressure, but it is, um, I think Nate's pipes are a little bit more forgiving than that. Um, I think Nate's pipes, it was... It was, they're about the same. Getting the high B is pretty easy on the John Swain pipes. Um, getting the high B on the Batten pipes is pretty easy. Getting a high C is probably equally difficult on both. Um, and neither chanter is really built, is like designed for it specifically, but they both managed to do it. Um, so that's good. I kind of think it was a little bit easier on Nate's pipes, um, but maybe not thinking back on it, it might actually be kind of the same thing where it's like impossible sometimes and then sometimes it just works um but i don't know i it's also not a fair comparison because i had those batten border pipes for months um maybe half like half a year by the time i recorded that and i've had these john swain pipes for two weeks so i don't know i don't know i do miss that third drone um i, I never noticed that the drone fell out 
because of, I, I guess, pressure inconsistencies and my bad setup of the read um, with the, the Nate set. But I don't know. They're good. These are, they're both really good instruments. Um, hmm. Yeah, that's good stuff. Turns out bagpipes are pretty cool. Everybody should have them. I don't know what people are thinking about. Uh, anyway, let's uh, let's move on. Let's listen to some more A piping. So I guess the third new book here is uh, a new-to-me book, but a book that's been around for a long time. And uh, the Lowland and Border Pipe Society uh, has a blue book, they call it, which is sort of like the favorite tunes for sessions and things. And I've never looked at it. I've always kind of just stuck <laughs> to the old sources and that sort of thing. But I thought, hey, what the heck? I need to run out an episode. Let's get some tunes out of the blue book. It's sort of it's sort of weird. The, the blue book tunes clearly aren't settings that go up into the second octave. Um, so maybe that's a thing to change. Maybe we should do another standardized book um, that has second octave stuff. But... Um, I don't know. Uh, we're going to start with a tune I've played on the podcast before, I think way back in season four. I'll, I'll go no more to Young Town. And then on to the next one, another Blue Book tune from LBPS. This is Mill Mill O. I think another tune I've played on the podcast before. This is definitely the first O'Farrell tune I ever learned. Scottish tune, but it's in O'Farrell's book. And it was the first tune that I like learned from memory and tried to add to my performance repertoire from listening to those Jerry O'Sullivan albums. Anyway, here's Mill Mill O.
you know, I don't know that it changes a ton, but it does change a little bit. Um, the book is, or the tune in the book is called The Mill, The Mill, Oh. Uh, the Mill, The Mill, Oh. I don't know. It makes me think of the tune differently. Anyway, and now uh, We Totem Fog. Uh, it's sort of funny. This tune, um, Adam Sanderson, this is his handle on Instagram, and I didn't, I wasn't familiar with the the name <laughs> and so i was like when i first saw we totem i was like is somebody did somebody make a like an account just to meme me or just to like make fun of me or something i did not realize how similar way to twag was to um some vocabulary that shows up in scotland so anyway here's we totem fog Finally, you banks and braise of Bonnie Dune and my love, she's but a lassie yet. I couldn't, I couldn't do you banks and braise without pinching the notes. So I play it through once uh, as written, and then I add in, I play it again, except um, pinching up to the high Bs. that's it for the blue book um do you want to play another tune i I, kind of want to think about this comparing the bagpipes again like it's sort of it's hard to get a good set of border pipes like it's sort of a crapshoot sometimes you get them and they work really well sometimes you've got to be a pipe maker to be able to figure out how to get them to be consistent and so it's weird to kind of hem and haw and debate about (laughs) like like to feel weird about saying who's better because the reality is that banton's pipes were amazing like 
The only reason they didn't work right out of the box is that they had been through a house fire and hadn't been played for months, and they were completely disassembled <laughs> when John Charles sent them. There was so much bubble wrap. I could move my whole house in that bubble wrap. Um, and the John Swain pipes, they work. Like, if you can get your hands on a set of uh, Banton border pipes, I don't think he's making or taking orders for them technically anymore. They're a great, great instrument. And same thing with John Swain. They're both kind of light on pressure, which is one of my pet peeves about bagpipes now, is that if you make a set of small pipes or border pipes or even highland pipes that just have to be gut-busting, like, the instrument can sound lovely and not be a gut-buster. I know for a lot of people it's hard to kind of manage at lower pressures, but especially if you want to pinch up, you kind of have to play a lower pressure setup instrument, otherwise you can't really play those high Bs and high Cs and high Ds on highland pipes, so... Um, in general, I'm a fan of the light, the kind of lower pressure instruments. And I, I think John's are probably a little bit lighter than Nate's are, um, but they're both good. But the one thing that I kind of forget, kind of talking about this instrument, the reason that I got a John Swain bagpipe, this bagpipe, uh, just the two drone student pipe, um, that's what this one is that I've been playing. We're playing the Lowland pipe and A1, but just a two drone student pipe set is 950 pounds. It's under a thousand pounds to get just a cracker of an instrument. Like that's sort of hard to manage. <laughs> and, um, and you can get a student pipe as, you know, lowlands if you want to play what we think of generally as kind of Scottish borders or lowland pipes. You can do those as a student pipes too. And like, I wish I had a third drone, but you know, I had a third drone when I was using John Charles's pipes, those Banton pipes, and I, I used it occasionally, um, but not a ton. Like, it wasn't, it, it doesn't, it didn't hurt, it doesn't hurt to not have it. It'd be nice to have more drones, um, but I think I'm still going to be able to get some really nice music out of it with just the two. And the two have range, especially with those tone holes. Um, I can do some fun stuff with, with kind of covering up the tone hole to, to get a second pitch, which we'll talk about more in a future episode. I think I'm running out of time to show all the examples of people playing their drones like regulators. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, highly recommend John Swain bagpipes. Um, Lowland pipes and A will be just a super easy transition for Highland pipers, especially if you're accustomed to, um, you know, if you're, if you're not dependent on having real high pressure stuff, if you can, do low pressure stuff, then it's going to be fine. I think that can be hard for people. Uh, anyway, let's do, um, well, let's, let's do another one. Let's, let's show the range of this thing. So, you know, I liked those Nate Manton pipes so much and I was so taken aback by John Charles's kindness that I wrote a tune kind of showing what that instrument could do. That was John Charles's fireproof pipes. Um, and then I kind of gave them back before I could finish it. So uh, here's John Charles's fireproof pipes on my John Swain pipes in A.
Yeah, that's pretty good. It's it's interesting kind of thinking about how, like, looking at that blue book and, like, I know that a lot of the lowland and border pipe society are small pipe players now. And, you know, with that, with the addition of the back thumb hole, that's kind of the only way to get the C natural on a small pipe channer because of the bore design, I think. I mean, you could, you could use a key instead of a back thumb hole, but that's all the back thumb hole is, is just like a keyed note. Um, it's something really nice about you know, Scottish lowland pipes or um, just being able to do that false fingering to, to get the C natural and the F natural. And I think it's it's interesting that Scottish small pipes didn't really take off in a huge way. And what we think of as, you know, lowland pipes or border pipes stuck around for a long time and people didn't go for this cylindrical board small pipe channer in the borders. I mean, partially it's volume, right? Like, you know, town pipers can't really wake the town up by marching around with Scottish small pipes. But I think there's, I think even then, you know, our, our piping ancestors were probably attracted to those C naturals and F naturals, the ability to kind of switch, really switch the feeling of the instrument fast. Um, all right. Anyway, that's it. That's a wrap. This has been a much longer episode than I expected it to be. And there's several tracks I didn't wind up including that I recorded. <laughs> um, but I think I think that's about it. We're going to get too distracted otherwise. I do want to go out with the new album, though. So, um, you know, Oyster Wives Rant was my first album. That was the best of season four. Pay the Pipe Maker came out back in December, I think. And that was to help fundraise to get that G chanter from John Swain. And now this one, finally, Bannocks of Barley Meal, is the best of season five. So all the tunes... Uh, like as many tunes as I could fit in a 19 track album from season five. There's a lot of good tunes last year. Lots of good Jackson stuff, Fitzmaurice, O'Farrell and Dixon tunes galore. I kind of snuck some of the Dixon stuff on to pay the pipe maker. Um, so there's, I don't think there's going to be any Dixon on Bannocks of Barley Meal, but uh, anyway, lots of good music on there. I'm really pleased with it. I think it has changed, my piping has changed immensely since Oyster Wives Rant, and my sound mixing has changed a lot since um, Pay the Pipe Maker. So unlike unlike Oyster Wives Rant, this album is mostly sets. So Oyster Wives Rant was a lot of just single tunes. Um, there are a couple single tune tracks, but mostly this is tracks of two to six to eight um, different tunes, uh, including the title track, so Bannocks of Barley Meal. So we're going to start with Bannocks of Barley Meal, um, and then we're going to go into uh, Eliza Ross tunes. Uh, sorry, I lost my place here. Going into some Eliza Ross tunes, which are Alistair at the Stoops and Big for the Deceitful One. So all that's left for me to do, really, is to write up everything uh, for it. So I'll just I'll read the write-up I have for the Bannocks of Barley Meal track now, and then we'll listen to it. Um, if you want to support the podcast, you can go to bagpipes, uh, sorry, patreon.com slash way too twog to join the patreon feed get some of those bonus episodes uh patreon might change i'm not sure what i'm going to do with that if we do wind up going to once a month instead of once every other week um the other way you can support the show you can get a cool t-shirt so it's be cool play bagpipes or i'd rather be playing Peabrook or that tune's cool but it really needs more jaw harp or that sort of thing go to bagpipeswag.com slash way too twog There'll be links in the show notes for all these things as well. Uh, okay, here's the title track off of Bannocks of Barley Meal. That's Bannocks of Barley Meal from James Aird, and then Alistair of the Stoops and the Bigfoot of the Deceitful One from Eliza Ross in 1812. 